So today on the show, we're going to be talking to a professional football player. His journey is one that you probably wouldn't expect, though. You hear professional football player, you expect it to be kind of like the typical journey of going through the high school, college, go to the pros, but it's a little different, and you'll hear why as we get into the interview. Um, we're going to be talking about adversity, the ups and downs. Uh, we'll even open up about the loss of uh, his father and how that's impacted him and how football itself has taught him lessons that have helped him get through that very difficult time in his life that's currently going on. And we're going to learn a lot about just the ups and downs of sports, but also the amazing opportunities that sports can bring you. Uh, it's a perfect interview for what I want to drive, like the message that I want to drive for all the listeners of the show. So I hope you guys tune in and enjoy this episode of the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson, coming to you with another interview today. This is the first on the five-and-a-half-year history of this show where we're talking about professional football overseas. Now, there's been a couple of times where I've wanted to talk about this. There's been a couple athletes that I've known personally that have played overseas, uh, but we could never make it happen. And then uh, this last week, I was in contact with our guest, and you know, I met him last year through some connections with the Idaho Horsemen and, and just being able to kind of meet him. And I also had his brother on the show last year. As well, you guys might remember that uh, his brother's name is Stone Belzo, and Stone was on the show talking about you know mental health and concussions and kind of how that can impact athletes and so forth. So now we were able to make this happen, even though he's uh, pretty much a whole day ahead of us over there where he's at. But um, I'm excited to have him on. But before we get started, a couple of housekeeping items. Remind everybody, make sure you hit that subscribe button on the podcast. If you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, leave me a review. Um, every review helps. Five-star reviews are especially helpful because it helps to get out to more and more people. We're in 96 countries right now. We're hoping to get to 100 by the end of 2022. So please leave me a review. Let us know what you think of the interview. And let's get to it. So introducing our guest he's a professional football player his name is hunter belzo hunter thanks for joining the show brother hey thank you for having me on you know i know we talked before about getting me on but you know i'm glad to finally be on here and you know just tell you everything i got basically about football overseas and basically just my journey so let's get it man so so hunter talk to us a little bit about where you're from uh your background and uh, the sport of football, like how long have you been playing football? We, like, let's rewind the clock and go before you even got into the professional days, even before the college days. Talk to us about your football journey from a youngster up until now. Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm from Middletown, Connecticut, you know, decent sized town. But um, I've started playing football probably, I was about seven years old. So um, I really got into it from my dad. You know, I just remember one day he took me down to the uh, local the uh, local youth practice when I was, I wasn't even old enough to play yet. And we were watching and he's like, Hey, you think you could do this? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, it looks cool. Whatever. Then he had me just started taking me to the field ever since then and started just working out, getting ready for when I was old enough to actually play. He had me in the backyard tackling, hitting my older brother who's five years older than me. So really football has been like really around my whole life. 
Dude, that's actually really cool. So it starts at a young age. You guys have been, I mean, you got the brothers. So talk to us. Remind those who probably, like, if, if they're a new listener, they might not have heard uh, Stone's interview. But what is the family dynamic? You got another brother. You got a younger brother. Like, talk to us about that. Like, what it's like growing up with your siblings. Was there a lot of competition in the household? Yeah, so um, you just growing up household-wise, I had an um, older brother. He's he's five years older than me, and then Stone, who's like a year and a half or whatever, year and a half or two years younger than me. But honestly, growing up, it was just always – we were always competing in the house at any – every sport, everything, didn't matter. We always grew up competing. And, you know, that's kind of what made us who we are today. And my, my father was a big part of that because he always made, like – he his big thing was like for us to never get complacent. So like we was always striding for more and more and to be the best. We all happen to be playing the same sports around the same time. So just really just growing up, it's just been competition between three brothers. And, you know, before I came out here, my older brother uh, came out to Connecticut and, you know, us three hit the field like old days, ran one on ones, competing, getting scrappy and just like we were kids all over again. So. Man, that's so dope. That's, that's super cool because you can like, if you're growing up in that type of an environment, you learn the the beauty of competition and how that can actually help you out moving forward in life. I think it gives you kind of an advantage that some kids that are in your same position don't really even realize at the time. They they might not even realize like what a blessing it is to have like the siblings around that age, you know, and, and be able to compete all the time. And, you know, having parents like parental figures like you um, that are encouraging that, which I think is super awesome. Uh, Connecticut, Connecticut football. So for those who are, are listening, um, Steve Young is from Connecticut. So Steve Young is a, is a quarterback, a Hall of Fame quarterback from the NFL, went to BYU, went to the, you know, played for the San Francisco 49ers, been all around. And Steve Young, I read his book about Connecticut football. I want to know what it's like playing high school football in Connecticut because it was interesting hearing his perspective from it as well. Um, honestly, I'm going to be honest. Connecticut high school football is really underrated, to be honest with you. We're just a small state, so it's like we don't have that per capita or whatever. Like, as We don't have that big state, so we're not producing as much. But honestly, for football, I mean, uh, for Connecticut being the small state it is, I think it's a good state for football, man. Just – my high school team was ran the same way as the college was, to be honest with you. Like the film sessions, the summer workouts, all that. Like football is year round in Connecticut, especially for the high school I went to, Middletown High School. It was either we were in the weight room, it was passing leagues, it was everything. It was year round. So once I got to high school, I really like I did uh, I did track for a year. But besides that, it was all football because it was just year round. Yeah. OK, so you're going year round over there and that's interesting to hear because some people think of the east coast like all up and down the east coast north to south they think of it as lacrosse country you know what i mean they don't really think of it as a football for high school and uh, athletics that is they they think of it more for the other sports that kind of are around there but i do remember steve young talking about like you know they were slept on quite a bit there plus like in his days he couldn't even throw a spiral he he was a running quarterback and then he learned how to throw a spiral like his second or third year in, in college so he didn't even know how to do a three-step drop which is wild because now he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. But anyway, um, talk to me about your college recruiting experience. So, like, for those who don't know, when I met you last year, I'm not – this is – obviously, you're a professional. You know how to play the game. But your stature, you're not the tallest guy, which is no. fine, right? But you've got – you're a dog. That's what I would say. Like, that's what anybody would ask me about. Like, hey, how's this running back when you were playing for the horseman? And I'm like, dude, he's a dog. Like, that's all I can say. Like, he's a dog. He gets after it. He knows – he, he's not scared of contact. And you're squirmy enough to get away from people too. It's wild. It's like you got this crazy, <laughs> unique uh, 
unique athleticism. Um, but I'm curious. So from that point, a lot of the college recruiters, I talk to them all the time, right? With my profession and stuff and what I'm in, involved with, I talk to college recruiters all the time for all sports. They do look at stature. They look at size and speed and all that stuff. That's one of the things they keep an eye on. So I'm curious, like when you were in high school, at what point did you know that you were going to be playing at the next level? And did you have, like, how did the whole recruiting process work? What schools were looking at you and what made you ultimately decide to go to the school that you did? Right. So, um, like, yeah, like you were saying in Connecticut, especially when I was in high school, it was, it was really hard to get, you know, recruited at those D1 levels. It wasn't until recent that I started really seeing kids in Connecticut going D1 from the high school teams. But for me, honestly, it was tough. You know, I had the, you know, D2, D3 schools. And at the time, my grades weren't the best. So those D2 schools that wanted me, they were high in academics. So, I, you know, I wasn't able to get in there. So I was looking at some NAIA schools and like the stuff like that, like, all my offers were NAIA schools down south. Nothing was close to home. Till really, like a month before I made my decision, uh, Springfield College, which was 45 minutes from home, reached out, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to go there. It's too close to home. I'm gonna just go to this NAIA school down in uh, West Virginia, Bluefield College. Like I was like, whatever, I'm gonna go there. And my dad's like, you know what? Just take the visit. You know, it's close enough to home. I'm like, all right, cool. So I go up there, do my overnight visit, and instantly fell in love with the school to be honest with you like just the coaches the players and just the way the program was uh run the facilities i was like yeah this is a no-brainer for me to go 45 minutes away from home so everybody could see me play i was like yeah i'm gonna go here and it, you know it's one of the top schools everybody i mean a lot of people really know about springfield college so dude no that's dope and and so so is that so did you say that's a d3 like how what is springfield is that NAIA? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, uh, Springfield's a D3 school. It's a uh, private D3. Private D3. Okay. So here's where I want to – so you go to Springfield in in Massachusetts, right? Springfield is like right – yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Okay, so you're there. I want to talk about the difference. So people who listen to this show, they might not fully understand. Sometimes we'll talk about the basketball side of things when it comes to like D1 versus D2, D3, NAIA. Because like basketball, what's wild about it, Hunter, is like we have a lot of NAIA schools. One that's – Two of them that are local here and where we live in in Idaho, there's literally two NAIA schools. One of them's a national competitor in basketball. So like, and another one's a and, and the same school is a national champion in lacrosse for for their their stuff. So the talent level for basketball honestly isn't that far off from some of the larger schools. It's the depth that we typically see being a problem. But I want to get your personal opinion on the football side of things when it comes to the differences between like a D three and a D two or a D three and a D one. Uh, when it comes to the, I guess, the overall skill set, what did you experience um, and what could you tell us to educate us on like D3 football compared to maybe that of D1? Yeah, uh, D3 football, I'm going to be honest, and I've told people this before. It's like with your good D3 schools, it's like your starters, the starters can go play at Division One schools, probably one AA schools and stuff like that. I think the big problem is the depth, the drop-off from your one to your three or four is a huge drop-off where – maybe division two, division one, the drop off isn't that bad. But that's one thing I really notice about that the division three level, like honestly, any of our starters, the year we went undefeated, any of our starters could have played one double A. They could have played there easily, but it was the drop off, which was the big difference, to be honest with you. The drop off. Okay. So it seems yeah. like a depth thing as well. Like the talent levels there. I, I think people sleep on it. They're, they'll say, oh, you went to a D3. I hate that conversation. I'm like any college yeah. athlete. I don't even care if you went JUCO. 
like any any collegiate athletics is better than no collegiate athletics. It's actually it's so disrespected by the the casual fan. So I want to kind of just kind of educate them on that. So like just so everyone's listening, remember what Hunter just said. Take notes on it if you got your phone out. The D three level, these guys can compete at some of the top levels, the starters at least. It's the depth that is the problem there. Now, during your time at Springfield, um, talk to us about your college experience. What was maybe one of your favorite memories um, playing there? And, you know, what was your overall experience like? Oh, man, to be honest, uh, so it, going into my freshman year, you know, you go in as a freshman, you know, you go into a D3 school, you, you're still thinking you should be Division One, you should be at this school or that, whatever. But honestly, I went into Springfield and I, the, during camp, I was playing scout team outside linebacker, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. And okay. So I'm like, what? I'm like, what have I like? How how is this possible, right? So it's, it's like I, you know I would get my reps with the you know third probably the third team at the time, and then basically I just made the best out of out of my reps. Honestly, the few reps I got in practice, I really made the best out of it. And you know week week one of that season, I I didn't I was on special team. I was I think it was I was on punt, you know. But I kept they had me on the scout team offense. So when I treated the scout team offense, like it was game day for me going against the starting defense. So I'm like, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do whatever I can to basically embarrass the defense the best way I can. So the head coach can see me on film. I'm like, Oh, we got to get this guy on the field. And it was by week two of my freshman year, I was starting at running back. And then, you know, ever since. So that, that was good. So yeah, my freshman year went actually really well, you know, my sophomore season was the year we went we went undefeated that year, you know, got a ring, won the conference championship, went to the uh, Division three playoffs. I mean, we didn't win the whole thing, but we lost in the first round, unfortunately, in a tough game. And then, you know, um, so that was a great year. I had probably had like I think it was like nine point eight yards to carry that season. So I was like wow. playing really well. So then I go into my junior year and I think it was week three. We get both quarterbacks break their ankle. And I had to go in there and I, I've only played, I played a little bit at spring ball because our quarterbacks played baseball and stuff like that. But it was like, so then my junior year, I'm playing an uncomfortable spot where now I got to go play quarterback for the first time in my life. You know, I led the team to a eight and three season and, uh, and we won a bowl game, which was, which was cool, which was awesome. I had a really great season. I think I finished that year with probably 1300 total yards. So. Holy cow. Okay. Go ahead. And then, so, you know, here comes senior season, uh, you know, all now everyone's talking all the, you know, the, the scout um, the blogs online writing like hidden gems, blah, 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 um, preseason All-American. So I'm getting all the preseason accolades. And, you know, by week two, it was the second game, second play of that game. You know, I break my ankle, the ankles facing the sideline, my knees facing straight. So that was it for me. That was it for the season, you know ambulance carted off the field everyone like parents everybody just devastated because you know that was supposed to be the big season that i was supposed to have so i have all intentions of coming back for the fifth year red shirt i was gonna take a semester off red shirt come back for the fifth year COVID happens my fifth year gets canceled so basically in college i never got that senior year experience playing football so yeah basically i only played three years of college football Yo, that's actually very interesting. And one that's one of the points that I didn't know, uh, honestly, until just right this second. So let's dissect that for a minute. First thing I took a note on <clears throat> while you were talking was your freshman season. 
freshman season, you're on the scout team line, but you're a running back, but you're playing scout team linebackers, which you mentioned, and then you, you're, you're proving yourself right there. I think is a great lesson for all athletes because everybody thinks they're the top dog. And I tell all these kids that I coach right now, like for basketball, even like you're going to go to a junior college maybe, and you're going to still have problems trying to see the court. Like you might be a top dog here, but like everybody is competing at a higher level. When you get to that next level, it doesn't matter what level it is. Everybody's a dog. So like, I want that to be a lesson for people on the mindset. I love that you were like, Hey, you know, some people get discouraged when they have to be on the scout team and they're like not doing what there's, but you took advantage of every opportunity, special team, scout team, whatever. And you wanted them to be, and you did that. That's like a true Rudy story right there. Uh, for you right there. So that was, that's, that's pretty dope. Secondly, I love the fact that, you know, you mentioned you, you guys went undefeated. I was going to ask you who was the best team you went, you lost in the first round of the playoffs. Who was the best team you ever faced in, in the in the college career, albeit a shorter a shorter career than you wanted it to be? But who was the best team you ever faced? Um, yeah, so honestly, in that undefeated season, we were we were blowing teams out like we. I didn't. I don't think I ever played a whole game besides once in the regular season. Like we were out by halftime, midway through the third quarter, because that's how we were blowing teams out. And then we played um, in the playoffs. We played Husson. And I, obviously I'm going to say it's the best team because that's who beat us in our best season. But Husson University up in uh, – all the way up in Bangor, Maine. But, you know, they're getting guys from all over if you looked at the roster from that season. Florida, Georgia, basically all over. And, yeah, I think they beat us 23-20. to 20. But, yeah, I would probably say that's the best team. That's the best team we probably played against. I Personally, I performed well in that game. I think I had over 102 touchdowns. But as a whole, that was probably the best team we played in my in the years that i was there that's so interesting though like to hear that name i haven't i know the names of some of the schools is mount union still a d3 are they are they d3 are they oh yeah they're still still uh division three powerhouse running through since, everybody yeah since forever they're always yeah. you know finishing the finals so yo listen i'm 33 years old and i remember in high school like any you don't hear much about d3s until the playoffs start they do their, <laughs> exactly. their playoff system and then all of a sudden it was always them like the purple team. That was like the weird team that was just running through fools. I'm like, who is this? Like, these guys are just rocking through everybody. So they've been there since as long as I can remember. I've always been following. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Hustin. Okay. I wanted to know that. Now, the third thing I took a note on here was your injury, which I wasn't aware of in your senior season, like going into that and then like having the COVID year right after that. That's some adversity that you have to really dig deep into um, to try to get past that mentally. I want to ask you that because last week on the show, I talked to a, a female college basketball player who went through two ACL surgeries that kind of put her back mentally and obviously physically for you, not knowing what the future held for you, Hunter, when you broke your ankle, how did that affect you mentally? And how did you overcome that through the, the physical therapy, not knowing what was going to happen in the future? Yeah, honestly, that was like a really, a really tough time, a tough time for me in my life mentally and everything, because it was like, you know, this was supposed to be the big season that I was going to have. And, you know, like, I, you know, I was still showing up to team meetings and everything, but honestly, it just hurt to sit there and watch, you know, just just to sit there, be hurt and watch everybody play. And honestly, it's like, you know, you're going out on the weekends as usual, but now you're drinking more because, you know, that that's for me at the time, like I was going through a dark time where like that's how I was just coping on the weekends. I was like, screw it. I'm not playing. I got I got nothing out, like nothing going on. And that that's why that was personally a tough time for me because I was doing dumb things that I shouldn't have been doing and 
you know, that kind of stuff. And it was like, it was really hard for me. It was probably like one of the darker times in my life that I had and was like, I struggled with it personally. And I didn't tell anybody about it at the time or anything, you know, people just, Oh, look at, he, look at him getting wasted, blah, blah, blah. And stuff like that. Like regular college student. But the reality is uh, I was struggling and I didn't tell anybody about it. And the recovery time for the injury, it was 18 months. So it was like, from there is like, I don't even know if I'm going to be ready for the next season. And right. I'm working out, I'm working out in the summer, working out in the summer. And I'm, I work out and I'm now I'm, I'm on the couch for a week because I literally can't move my ankle. And I remember telling my parents, I'm like, Hey, if we have a season this year with COVID, I may only practice once a week if I'm going to have to play in the games. Cause there's no way. Cause the pain I had from that injury was just so bad. Just the recovery, the rehab and everything, probably the worst pain I've ever dealt with just having the screws in and all that kind of stuff. It was just really like 18 months, like, a dark time. And honestly, like I said, like going through drinking more on the weekends and stuff like that, I'll say COVID's the best thing that happened because it, I had to go home for, I didn't, I, I couldn't stay at school anymore. We went home. So I'm not doing that. My parents wouldn't allow me to do those same kind of things I was doing on campus at home. So I would say COVID's the best thing that happened for me, gave me more mental clarity. You know, I went home, I worked and I finished my degree online through uh, Zoom. Yo, that's wild. You know, um, yeah, COVID's the best thing that that happened to you. And I and I, I quote you on that. I think that's awesome though, because now I have the perspective of where you were at, and I understand why that was the case. You know, um, what people don't understand, Hunter, is how injuries do impact a human being, uh, especially those who are you know good athletes. You know, injuries are crazy. I, I I always bring this up. Anyone who's listened to my show has heard me talk about it. Even myself, five years ago, I tore my shoulder out. Up until that point, I was 28 years old. I was still hooping. I was still competing at a high level, like doing the things I wanted to do for my whole life. And then a shoulder injury, as stupid as it sounds, you hear about it all the time. You hear about ankles, knees, shoulders, whatever, and all sorts of sports. And all you see is like the, the athlete has that and then they recover like nine to 12 months later and they're back to it, but they don't see what goes on behind the scenes. For me, it put me into a, I, like, I gained a ton of weight, lost all my athleticism. I was on pain pills. I was depressed because I couldn't move my shoulder. I couldn't lift weights anymore. I could, I still can't train the same way I used to. I don't even play basketball the same way I used to. I'm not as aggressive as I once was. And all these little things that like affect you mentally. I was so depressed for like six months. People had no idea. I had to go to work every day. I had to take care of my family every day, but I was still so depressed. I'd gained like 40 pounds. It just is awful. So I'm glad you opened up about that because I don't think people fully understand what an athlete goes through, especially when you're still in college. And that's like your, that was supposed to be your senior season. There's a lot mentally that, it, that, that happens. So if you could give advice, Hunter, to somebody, maybe a high school athlete or a college athlete that might be going through an injury right now, what would it be so that they can understand like there's light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. And, um, Shoot. And the th thing was like when that happened, like I was still working out, but it's like I was still working out and all that kind of stuff. But it was really the the off, off outside the weight room, those kind of issues. Yeah. But honestly, my best advice is just find someone, find someone to talk to, find someone you trust, you know, find someone who can who's going to help you out and not a yes man who's going to not not tell you to, hey, bro you're acting different, whatever, like you got to chill out or, you know, you're drinking more, you're doing, you're making dumb decisions you shouldn't be doing because a lot of times like we surround ourselves with yes men who aren't going to ever tell us or call us out or hold us accountable. Like I would just say, find someone, you know, 
who's going to hold you accountable, who's not afraid to call you out when you're messing up. That's my best advice. That's huge. If you guys can re rewind that, 30 seconds of Hunter just telling you what to do. Find someone you trust and who's not a yes man. Boom. I love it. So, Hunter, here's the good thing, though, right? People are listening to this like, well, frick, dude, did his whole career end? Well, no, you had an opportunity to play at the next level. So I want to know, I, I first met you as you were playing indoor football with the Idaho Horsemen. It's an indoor football team here out of Idaho. They they have their own little conference that, that, that plays. And I've interviewed a few players and so forth. Like I said, I interviewed your brother who was helping with the video side of things there last year. But tell me how you even decide, like, how did you even realize, like, hey, because for some people, that injury, especially with the COVID year on top of it, like, that's the end of their, their athletic career, right? They're, they're going to be done. They might go focus on something else. For you, when did you realize, like, hey, I might have an opportunity to still keep playing the game that I love, and how did that all transpire um, with finding the, the horseman and then getting into the professional level of football? Yeah, so um, basically, yeah, so once I got home, you know, with all the COVID stuff, is like when I really had, you know, that mental clarity, and I'm like, all right, it's, it's, time, it's time to tap in because at the time I was training for my senior, senior, which was supposed to be the fifth year, and then that got canceled, and my coach calls me, my college coach is like, Hey, like, what are you going to do? You still got a year of eligibility left. Well, here's a few options we can do to get you to come back for another year. And I'm like, I said, no, I'm not, I'm not coming back. I'm trying. I, I need to play. I, I want to play further than this. I just got my degree. I'm not going back to college for grad school. I don't want it. I'm like, I, I'm trying to go pro somewhere. It doesn't matter. So I got on Google, you know, I started just researching arena teams, overseas teams. And again, more opportunities got hit with COVID. I had I had two offers from IFL teams that didn't end up playing that season due to COVID. Wow. So then I had an, other offers overseas. They didn't end up playing because of COVID again. Chris Reynolds hit me up with the Idaho Horseman, emailed me back after he saw my film. And he's like, hey, listen, I don't want to, you don't got to do any tryouts. I'm ready to offer you right now. So I said, all right. I called him up. He basically told me everything to know about the Idaho Horseman. I'm like, all right. Let's do it. Send the contract over. And I signed it basically. Dude, I love that. That is so cool. And I love the fact that you put in the work to like start researching some of the stuff, but adversity hit again, COVID's hitting all these teams are either not playing or just, yeah, you never know. The future was kind of whack in 2020. It was like a wild, wild year for everybody, but you know, sports is a business as well. So all these teams are not playing. You didn't know what was going to happen. Shout out coach Reynolds. He hates being on camera. I talk to him all the time still, but like he hates being on camera. But I want to shout him out because he is a good businessman. For for anybody who doesn't understand, like indoor football teams across the entire United States, that is a an extremely hard business to run. Um, it's not a it's not very lucrative by any shape of the imagination. Um, it's not a lucrative uh, it's not a lucrative business. And and he has done a good job at least creating a team and a setting and an organization that's been able to last for now the third year. Um, because he puts in work. A lot of these guys who run these organizations don't want to put in the work when stuff hits the fan, and he's done a great job. So, and he's reaching out to players. He's doing his own like he's a stud. So, coming to Idaho though, Hunter from Connecticut, and then obviously Massachusetts. Tell me about that uh, transition coming out to Idaho. I know you were with your brother too, but what was it like when you first got to Idaho? Oh man, so we actually ended up driving out there, which I think is like a twenty-six hour ride or whatever something like 26 or something like that crazy but you know just driving out there get, get that experience we stopped at a bunch of different college stadiums on our way out there nebraska oh, wyoming notre dame so like we made a kind of a trip out of it we got caught up in snowstorms in wyoming 
Utah, like probably the craziest weather we could have gone through to get there. But you know, once, well, you know, once we got to Idaho, I was really just surprised. Like to me personally, I thought it was going to be in the middle of nowhere. Like when you think of Idaho, when you're on the East Coast, you're thinking, like everyone says, oh, potatoes and stuff like that. No. Uh, where we were in Boise, Meridian area, is they have everything you need out there. And I was really impressed with with uh, that area of Idaho, the Boise area. I loved it when I was out there. That's dope, dude. No, that's cool to hear. That's cool that you got to go to all those stadiums, too. I've actually been to Lincoln for an Ohio State-Nebraska game, so I went down there to watch Ohio State play, and that's pretty dope that you got to, to see there. Um, never seen Notre Dame. That's a, that's, a, that's a bucket list item for me. But I'm going to see them play Ohio State in September, but it, it'll be in Ohio. But – uh, I want to go to see. I want to go see Notre Dame's campus, the whole entire thing, because I think it's phenomenal. I'm a, oh, I'm a Rudy fan. So. I bet it's beautiful, dude. I bet I want to go see a game there. I think that'd be incredible. Um, so, you get out here, your first professional season, indoor football, different style of football. I am curious, yeah. what was your overall experience like playing indoor football? I mean, it's a smaller field, a little faster paced. You know, sometimes depending on the place you're playing, uh, the turf could be patched together and it's like an awkward scenario. Sometimes you got fans in the stands and then some cities don't have any. It's just that's what it is with these indoor football teams. That's how it works. What was your overall experience like playing your first year in professional football? And for this case, the Idaho Horsemen. You know, being out there with the guys in the house, I had the time of my life playing with the Idaho Horsemen. Like I made lifelong friends out there that, you know, we still talk every day. We still got a group chat, you know, we still talk every day. And, you know, to play, to play indoor football, like it's, it's a different breed. You got to be tough to do it. Not, not everybody can make that transition from 11 man to indoor football because you got to be tough. There's no, you can't run out of bounds. You, there's no hiding out there. It's eight on eight compact. They're like you're going to get hit. There's no doubt about it. So I'm saying you got to be a different breed to play indoor football, especially the way the AWFC was the season I was out there between us, Oregon, Tri-City, all physical teams. Like you already know when you were at those games, they were wild. So, yeah. So that's, it's interesting you said, cause it's like the first year the horsemen existed, they just blew through everybody. But then la that last season that there was some competition finally for, for the horsemen and y'all got to play some good ones. Tri-Cities was a, powerhouse they're still they're still a powerhouse but uh oregon yeah. came in and 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 did their thing too and it was it was actually fun to see some competition with uh the horseman organization so it was kind of cool to see um yeah that tri-city game i actually made the trip down to pasco to watch your guys's championship game last year and try to get some coverage for it that was a fun one on the sideline your brother's getting into it on the sideline good old times with those white trash fans of theirs i i say that because um my wife is from the Tri-Cities, and she, she's not from Pasco, but I always make fun of those fans over there, the people that live there. They're all sitting there chirping, drunk fans right by the stands, so they're pissing off all the players. Then your brother's getting heated with one of the players and caused this big old fiasco on the sideline. Good times, though. That's that's indoor football for you. And that's yeah, problem. exactly. <laughs> I love it, dude. Um, so, Hunter, now I want to get into your experience playing overseas. You just mentioned before we started recording, you're in Munich right now. Yeah. This is the best, the best part of this conversation, in my opinion, is because you have – we've obviously seen how you've gone through adversity through your sports career, different types of football. You're playing D3s college. You're playing indoor football, professional level here out on the West, West Coast. Now you're overseas playing in Germany. Your first year, what was that whole experience like, the transition from what you were used to to playing overseas? Yeah, so um, before this, I think uh, it was probably two months ago, I was actually in Spain, but I was only out there for 
I only played. We only got to play five games because of visa issues. It had nothing to do with the organization. It was more like with the government and the whatever. But basically, our visas we couldn't get extended, so we were only able to play in the five games out there before we had to come back home. But you know, out there, it was a it was just a different experience overall because I was coaching uh, the U nineteen team as well, and you know the difference between arena football and overseas is in arena or indoor football, everybody's good. Everybody's pretty comparable overseas. It's like each team's limited to how many Americans you can get. So you like, if you're the American who gets signed to one of these teams, you're really like that big fish in the small pond. It's like, Hey, we're counting on you guys to, for us to win games, which is awesome. Honestly, I like it. And you know, that, so that was when I was out in Spain and, you know, unfortunately it got cut short. You know, I was having a real great season. I think five games, I had 570 yards and probably 10 touchdowns, but unfortunately I wasn't able to finish that, but that experience was, you know, that was, that was a lifetime experience that I'll never forget. I talk about it all the time to people. It's like, you know, you got to experience, like if you have an opportunity to play overseas, coach overseas, go do it because the experience is unmatched. Yes. I had the time of my life in Idaho, but this is different. Like indoor football, the horsemen football in Spain, now football in Germany. It's like, I'm learning more and more about myself and growing as a person more than anything football wise. Like the football is football, no matter where it is, but you're learning more and growing so much as a person with these um, experiences, opportunities, and just really getting a chance to travel around the world and play football at the same time. Like we had a few days off. So now I'm in, I'm in Germany playing for um, uh, Kirchdorf Wildcats, but you know, we had a few days off. So we hopped on the train and we came up to Munich for a few days. And it's like, without football, I would have never, I would have never seen any of these places. I got a passport strictly due to football. So it's like football's taking me all these places. It's just like, it's a crazy experience. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, you know, and I remember when you were playing in, in Spain, every time I see a highlight, it was like you had like you were getting wide open touchdowns. You're just like it was like, dang, dude, Hunter's out there just doing his thing. What was the uh, what what's the practices like for professional football overseas? Let's talk about that. Like, what is the what's a week like for you guys there? Do you guys have practice during the day in film sessions or is it you work all day and then it kind of like indoor football? You got to kind of self-support and then you get to do a couple practices through the week and then a game. What, what What's what's the, the work demand like playing professionally overseas? Yeah, so um, personally when I was in uh, – this is this – you're going to find this wild, but when I was in Spain, we practiced Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The practices were at 9.30 at night to 11.30, right? Oh, wow. So because, you know, guys have work and, you know, just the culture in, in Spain's a little different because they don't eat dinner till 11 o'clock at night out there, which I had no clue wow. until – about the time I almost left, but you know, th those practices were structured pretty well. You know, the co we had a really good coach out there, you know, I think I just tweeted it. One of the best coaches I've played for, and he ran his program, his practices, just like colleges. He got his playbook and everything he studied from Wake Forest. So for me going overseas, I ended up playing for one of the best coaches I've ever had. And I would have never thought that personally, because, you know, you're going over there for the first time. You don't really know what to expect, but you know, the way they ran things out there, you know, was was pretty professional. Obviously, the local guys are all amateur because they're not getting paid to play. The only ones are getting paid are the Americans. But the way they ran things out there was, you know, 
it was pretty professional. And we just finished up camp here in Germany, you know, same thing. Guys have to travel pretty far to, they have to travel pretty far to um, practices and stuff. Some guys two, three hours. So it kind of shows like really how, how the programs are. Like if it wasn't a good program, good organization, these guys wouldn't be traveling two, three hours just to make it to practice two nights a week. Because due to the travel here, we're only practicing um, in season Wednesdays and Fridays, which isn't a lot, but it's like just because that's just how <laughs> that's just the way it goes with just on their travel. But we just during camp, it was like Wednesday, uh, Friday and Saturday. So, oh, that's crazy. Like it literally reminds me I'm coaching club basketball and we got a 17 year old kid who lives in Oregon. It's a two hour commute and we only have practice two days a week for our stuff. And he, he makes that two hour commute two hour is a four hour commute twice a week for him. Uh, and it's during school. So he can't miss school. So he has to get there and back after practice. That's kind of what it reminds me of is just like, it's, it's a, it's a sacrifice. That is cool. I didn't I also didn't know that the locals didn't get paid and it was only the American. I didn't know that. Um, very interesting. The other thing I wanted to ask is like the atmosphere. Is it well received? Cause overseas um, there's, you know, depending on the country, basketball is huge. Even female basketball is huge there. Um, overseas, typically speaking, but yeah, basketball is a big thing overseas. Soccer, of course, is a big thing overseas. But American football, how is it received by the the locals? Were there people that were there at the games? Like, how was the atmosphere when you actually played the game? Yeah, um, so I haven't played a game here yet in Germany, but apparently Germany is like the biggest. Like, you know, American football is like the most popular here out of all the European countries. But, you know, when I was in, when I was in Spain, you know, we, we, we'd get decent crowds at the games and, you know, the fans who are there were really loyal fans. Um, so I think the, I think in, in Spain where I was in the area, I was Barcelona area, their big thing was basketball. So, but I think football is really going to grow out there, but, you know, we had our fans at the games and, you know, you had your loyal fans, but out here in Germany, apparently, it's really popular and it's no surprise if you get, you know, over a couple thousand people at a game. And I've seen championship games here that I saw online, like 20,000 people. So it just oh, wow. really depends on the team, the organization and, you know, what part of the area you're playing in. Yeah. I think it, it, that's the, that's the crazy thing. It's like a, it's a gambling when you go overseas, it's like it's hit, hit or miss where you're at. I, I, uh, I actually had a guy on my show. His name is Donovan Isom and Donovan plays in, Germany. He's a quarterback. I think he plays for Berlin. Uh, one of the teams over there in Berlin. It's like the Rebels or something. Uh, but anyway, yeah. he went to Texas Wesleyan University. I kind of followed his journey to see how he was doing. And it, it just seemed like he was just dominating when he came and played his first season. But the other thing that was interesting, I served a church mission in Brazil for two years back in 2008 to 2010 when I was, you know, in my, my I turned 20, 21 years old when I was at that time. And, uh, in Brazil, there was the city I was living in. They had just introduced American football in Brazil. So, Hunter, I was walking by, and I'm in my, like, shirt and tie, you know, Mormon missionaries is what it looked like. So I'm walking in my shirt and tie, and these guys were doing American football practice, and I'm talking, their, their offensive linemen were probably of 160 pounds. I'm like, uh, <laughs> and their quarterback, I, I was, I had, I went over there, and it, I showed them. So they would always call us missionary when we'd be walking by they'd be out there throwing the ball around they'd always ask us to come and throw the ball for them so we'd go out there and that was a it was their professional league and now i've seen that they've grown in the last 12 years since i've returned home um they grew in the last 12 years now they have a full-on brazilian american football league that's wild like they've got some good players there it's kind of cool to see but i just remember looking at them i'm like man i don't know how they can they can't even throw the ball like it was like a it was like a kickoff looking when they throw the ball so they'd ha i'd try to help them out 
they weren't used to throwing pads on. Have you experienced anything like that? Or is it pretty much, I mean, I know you mentioned like some guys are at different talent levels than others, but has it been an overall positive experience or have you had to teach some of these guys certain things, little intricacies of the game that you've learned throughout your entire career? No, honestly, like I, ha you probably get with that with the, like the, the youth teams, but you know, at the, they call it the senior level, which is like where I'm playing. No, honestly, no. Like you, I was impressed. Like when I got out here to Germany, the drills we're doing, I'm like, I do these same drills at home. Like, where did you guys get these from? And they're like, oh, Instagram. I'm like, what Instagram page? And they're like, sideline hustle. I'm like, bro, what? That That's literally my trainer. My boy's literally like one of the head trainers at sideline hustle. I just thought it was insane. Cause I'm like, you guys are doing the same exact drills that I would be doing back home in training sessions. Yo, that's, that's, that's dope though, that they're doing their research and, and, and figuring it out and getting better. That's cool to hear. That is super cool to hear. Um, <clears throat> what's been your favorite experience so far? I mean, you only played five games in Spain. You're now in Germany. You haven't played a game yet, but you're, you're getting ready and stuff. Um, what's been your favorite in the last year, your favorite memory of playing professional ball overseas? Oh, my favorite memory playing. Oh man, <laughs> that's a tough one. But honestly, my last game in Spain, and my last game in Spain, I'm going to be honest with you, I got back to the house and I said to the guys, listen, if that was the last game I ever played, I'm cool with it because I freaking balled out. But, yeah, honestly, that the last game I played in Spain, easily the most fun I had on the field. But I'll say in that off the field, the experience is like the other, the other guys you live with when you guys go out and you guys are all experiencing this country for the first time. Like I remember one time we went to the we went to the grocery store in Spain. We thought we were buying seasoning, went home, put out on the chicken. It turned out to be orange food coloring. Like just stupid stuff like that is like the memories, like things you remember forever. Oh, that's dope, dude. That's super cool. Um, so you mentioned the culture stuff too, like eleven o'clock dinners and so forth. What has been yeah. the hardest what's been the hardest transition for culture compared to what you were used to here in America? I, the big thing for me is really like the language because some people study the language months before they get out here just to learn the basic things to say at the stores and everything. Me, honestly, I say I'm going to do it, but I never end up doing it. So I'm saying the language is really the most difficult part for me. Ah, uh, yeah. The language is tough, man. When I lived in Brazil, I, and obviously I speak Portuguese now, but like, yeah, we had to learn. It took me a good like six, seven months of learning that. It's dedication. So if you don't really want to do it, you're just gonna have to figure out a way to get by when you get there. I can imagine that. So, Hunter, in all of your experience so far with with football, and I, and you're gonna continue playing on, obviously. Um, so it's not done. But up until this point, who has been the most influential teammate that you have played with uh, during your career, whether that's high school, college, professional, wherever it may be? Uh, I'm sure there's a lot, but if you can name an influential teammate and what they taught you, um, I'd love for us to hear that um honestly I'm, I'm it's gonna have to be like a life it's my lifelong friend we played together in high school but um dario highsmith honestly he really helped me a lot making the transition to playing receiver because growing up always running back running back but it's like you know with my size and everything everyone size and whatever attributes everyone wants me to play receiver and his knowledge at receiver like of the position and knowing everything is it's insane so him like once his playing career was over in college, it's like 
we, we, we trained together in college. And then after that, when he was done playing, we still, we still helping me. I'm sending him video clips. Hey, what can I do better here? He's sending me training tips. I go down to Atlanta. I work out with him. Cause I was saying earlier about the uh, sideline hustle. Yeah. They train receivers. They train at, he trains NFL receivers, you know, guys like Muhammad Sanu and all them. And I'm getting the same training that these top NFL guys are getting from him because it's my boy. So honestly, he's helped me the most really just with the transition from running back to receiver from, you know, once I graduated college to right now, like the other day we were on the phone probably for an hour, just, you know, I'm sending him clips. He's telling me what I did good, what could do better. So honestly, he plays a big role, I would say in my success. Heck yeah, dude. That's, that's awesome. Major shout out to him as well. That is, that is, that's so cool. And it's cool. Like it sh sports, what I want people to understand, Hunter, is like sports can form like a brotherhood or even a sisterhood for that matter. Like that's kind of unbreakable. You mentioned it a couple of times, like hanging with your boys with the horseman. You got lifelong friends right now. You've got you've got your boy who still helps you with training and so forth. A lifelong friend that you've had. Um, you talked about the people overseas, the guys you go out with and stuff like that. Like these are brotherhoods. Like it's a bond that that really is hard to break. It's truly unbreakable, in my opinion. I think that's super cool. Um what's the biggest life lesson that sports have taught you in your life so far? I'm sure there's more coming, but what up until this point, right. what's the biggest life lesson? For me, it's really just like the battle through adversity and when times get hard, because, you know, that's where I, the, where like just adversity hitting of like football and times getting tough and football really helped me, you know, off the field in life when real issues are hitting you, how to power through and, you know, just continue with a mindset, like continue with that positive mindset. Like we were talking about before the show recently, recently, my my uh, father passed unexpectedly. And, you know, I, this still right now is the hardest time in my life, like every day trying to go through this. Like I'm, I was saying, um, sometimes I go, I still open my phone to go text him after practice to go send him videos or something like that. And it's like, this is a really tough time, but the, you know, just the mindset I have from playing sports to try to keep that positive mindset and just keep battling through is really what's helping me get through this time. And, you know, just, I have to now I have to be positive from my brother, my mother, my grandfather, everybody. So it's like really it, without football, I think I'd be without just the lessons I've learned through football, battling through adversity. I think if I didn't have that right now, I'd probably be a mess. 100%. No, I, I, I'm glad you shared that. And, and I appreciate your honesty there because that's so people, you know, I, I get really frustrated when people call athletes, dumb jocks. I, I get really frustrated with that whole whatever. Cause Hunter, like what you just said right there is throughout your whole life. You didn't, you might not even realized it. Right. And you don't realize it until you have to go through something that's truly, you know, shattering. Um, and for you, you know, the, the loss of your father unexpectedly, it's, it's a, it's a devastating thing to go through a loss of a loved one, but you know, maybe football has helped you build a bulletproof mindset and yeah, you're, you're shook and you're still going through it and it'll probably never be, it'll probably never be perfect. All right. You're going to always struggle with that. We all will when we lose a loved one, but the things you have learned through your journey have at least prepared you, whether you knew it or not, on how to move forward and how to uplift others during the face of adversity when they're facing adversity and how to how to continue moving forward. And um, it's kind of cool to watch how you're still moving forward. You told me before we started recording that it's something I mean, it was relatively quick after your dad's passing that, you, you know, you had to get everything set up and, and, and head back out and 
he said, you know, that's what he would have wanted is you to play. And I know that for a fact, too. He's he's a good, solid dude. And uh, he would have wanted you to play. And he's he's your biggest fan. So that's awesome. Um, what is next for Hunter Belzo? What can we expect to see from you in the coming year? You know, this 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 being out here in Germany, you know, obviously, you know, um, I, I got to I'm going to have a. I'm going to have a big season this year and that's the goal. And, you know, whatever happens after this is just, you know, you know, I think that's in God's hand, to be honest. Like I just try to put in the work, you know, perform on the field the best way I can and, you know, really let, you know, God take care of the rest. But, you know, I'm at, I'm at this point where it's like, we talk about adversity, just, you know, it just unfortunate circumstances of my playing career where injuries happen and, you know, just not, Getting getting those opportunities because every time something's going good, injury or something stupid happens. So for me, after this season, you know, after this big season, you know, I, I I'm playing on with these uh, more opportunities in the states. We're talking XFL, USFL, all that. Honestly, after this season, I'm looking to get back and start training to get a pro day. I've been talking with a few people on you know some spots to get into to get into for a pro day. And it's like, I have nothing to lose at this point. It's like, what's the worst going to happen? No one's going to sign me. I'll come back overseas to play, but you know, that's my goal really ball out this season and, you know, really get into a pro day and perform well. And, you know, like I said, like God, I take care of the rest. I love that. I think it's awesome. <clears throat> and, and the fact that you're like taking advantage of these opportunities, there's a lot of guys that I know personally who look down on those opportunities like, oh, indoor football, it's not the NFL, so I'm not going to play. Or overseas, it's not the NFL, so I'm not going to play. I hate that. I love the guys like yourself that are like, yeah, man, it might not be that level, but it's still football at the next level. And that and that gives you an opportunity to get reps and get film and continue to get better if you take it as such. If you take that opportunity and, and you know, basically run with it, which you have. So I think it's awesome. And now as you, you know, you're preparing and preparing and preparing and when the opportunity comes, maybe you'll get your pro day. Cause now the, like you said, the U S is starting to pull up like the USFL is coming back. They're trying to make these other leagues for guys to have an opportunity to stay stateside and play and make a decent, you know, livable wage off of it. Um, and so I'm hopeful that it will work, but I love the mindset of like, you're kind of just staying in the present moment. You're going to take advantage of the moment and let the Lord take care of the rest. And I think that's freaking awesome, man. So Hunter, here's the deal you have your own show i want to make sure we get this uh shared with everybody so where can we find you man and first off i want to know where people can find you to like watch your journey so if anybody wants to kind of follow you and see what's going on where can they follow you and then where's your podcast and what can we what can we do to listen to you man yeah so um yeah i always post like just football travel stuff on instagram so you can find me on instagram at hunter belzo 22 and then i also have a podcast with my older brother and we just talk about basically anything from life to just funny stuff to you know just to whatever we have going on in life i share my journey talk about what i have going on out here and stuff like that so you can find us at the uh, social club podcast um are available on all platforms so okay social club podcast i'm typing it out right here i'm going to link it here in the description with a k people. club ah, with a k <laughs> there we go no I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that i actually know i actually knew that because i've listened to your guys's stuff so <laughs> so social club podcast club with a k i'll link it here in the description if you guys want to catch hunter and his older brother make sure you guys go uh check them out um Listen to them. Follow him on Instagram. I'll also link that here in the description. You guys can keep an eye on Hunter's story as he moves forward. I know a lot of people are probably going to listen to this. I mean, I'm in 96 countries, so I'm sure there's somebody that's going to be overseas listening to it as well. And be like, oh, wow, I'm going to keep an eye on this guy. Maybe there's somebody in Germany that's like, 
I didn't know this guy, but now I'm going to watch him. So that'll be awesome, man. I appreciate you, Hunter. Uh, praying for you and your family, but I'm excited to see what you what you do this next season. And hey, let's stay in touch. All right, man. All right. Awesome. Thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely, brother. For all those who are listening, make sure you're subscribed to the show. Like I said before, leave me a five-star review. It helps to get out to more people. And we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.